The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning, this is the 3CR Spoken Word program. My name is Di Cousins and today I'm talking to Melbourne poet Peter Bukowski. Thank you for coming in, Peter. My pleasure, Di. Um, Now, you've got your sixth full-length collection of poetry, um, which you're about to launch um, this month, um, and it's called The Courage Season. How did you decide what poems to include and how to bring it together? The title refers to the times in life when we're uh, tested, when we have to draw on our courage. And uh, I also wanted a variety of poems to show uh, the reader and the listener that I've got a sort of spectrum of responses uh, to the world, the sort of physical and emotional world that uh, we inhabit. And um, how long has it taken to put this collection together? Uh, Three years, yeah. Right, yeah. And um, for some of that time you were overseas as well? Yes, I've been going to France annually to promote my bilingual selected poems in France, but also had a residency in the south of France at La Muse. And tell me about La Muse, what's that? It's a privately run writer's residency run by a sort of courageous couple who bought a very old run-down house in the middle of nowhere southern France with about 14 bedrooms which they've turned into a writer's residency and you pay to go there but if you do some work around the residency you can get a reduced rate and uh, there's certainly some people who go there more than once and certainly uh, my partner and I are thinking of going there again. So did you find that getting away from Melbourne helped you to focus? Yeah, I uh, am both interested in writing about Melbourne, but I also fell in love with the map of the world when I was six years old. And uh, my background is European, so I'm drawn to Europe and uh, visiting Europe and exploring Europe and seeing how it changes over the decades. And um, shall we go to a poem, perhaps, to sort of get into the mood of things? What about the title poem, The Courage Season? Okay, um, this is a poem that was commissioned by a friend of mine who, rather than send out a Christmas card each year, he sends out a poem on a, uh, in the mail as a, as a sort of modern Christmas card. And he wanted this poem to apply to people in commerce, but also I tried to make it a universal poem where it applied to all of us. It's a sort of motivational poem, I suppose. So the courage season. The days. You try to settle them in diaries, but they can't be herded, tamed. They're here to counter, perhaps best, each chess move, your ability to push out from dead corners. Curiosity, action and laughter are contagious, as are their opposites. At crucial times, you'll need to go out on a limb to understand the landscape, to see the outlines of false paths. Risk being a tightrope walker, 
rather than a pedestrian. It's a case of attitude over altitude. Go beyond data, dithering, staring at photographs of dead explorers. Today awaits your focus, imprint and bold steps. Some self-examination is what the moral doctor ordered. Excuses are crutches, let them clatter to the ground. A balance is sought, but there are tremors, shifts, seizures. Solutions come to the alert, the open-minded, excited by obstacles rather than dismayed. Perhaps right now there is no one more in need of surprising than yourself. Wonderful. It's very evocative. It's very, uh, as, as uh, was the intention, inspirational. But, um, you know, it comes at it from all sorts of different angles. Thanks, Di. And um, if you look at the poem on the printed page, it is an acrostic poem and it actually spells courage season vertically. How clever. So an acrostic poem is where the first letter of each line um, makes a, a word or a sentence when you read it down. It's, um, that, was that hard to achieve? It's kind of helpful because it's a bit like having a scaffolding. Right. It, you could argue that it sort of limits you to the choice of words, but it, I, found it, I found it helpful and I got sort of addicted to acrostic poems for a while and couldn't write any non-acrostic poems. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't noticed that. It's very, very clever. Yeah. Um, now, in this poem, you've also got a few um, poems about people. Um, so um, I thought uh, we, we lost David Bowie uh, this year, I think. That was a surprise, wasn't it? He was around forever. Yeah. Um, and when he died, you could see, the, you could read and see the outpouring of, of sort of response um, very influential person, a lot of influence to do with um, identity and that's very relevant uh, when you're a teenager finding out who you are and what you could be and what you want to escape from and how you may hope to reinvent yourself or change yourself. I mean, he was such a courageous person as well, you know, with the sort of gender-bending thing in the 70s, which was very radical at that time. When you're a teenager, you're really trying to work out who you are, who you can become. Um, you've got these aspirations thrust upon you, sometimes by the educational system, sometimes by your parents, and you have to sort of question that or even resist that, and that can lead to uh, the classic teenage rebellion, which is a, a sort of often necessary and healthy uh, thing to do, part of growth, individual growth. Yes, I think the world would be a poorer place if teenagers didn't rebel because they reinvent the world when they rebel, so it's helpful. Yeah, and they've mm. got the idealism mm. and the idea of community uh, possibility and they have less to lose which is means that they're free much freer than people when they're older yeah they're not shackled yeah so um so would you like to read that poem please 
Okay, this poem's called Portrait of David Bowie, 2004. Male, female, melding in the fun of guessing, elastic beneath the show of guises. Far above the wardrobe of yourselves, space, star-freckled, wipes its minstrel face clean with comet tails. But gravity and hearts that are nightclubs, where the person on the door won't admit all your spangled apostles bring you down. And in Birmingham, Berlin and Brisbane, you're a hotel room pacer, fashioning lyrics they ma that may make you worthwhile to yourself, an astronaut again. You read the album reviews in the music press. Your response is to slip behind those enemy lines, career away from the magnetic pull of applause which could drag you down to earth, which is only a pebble in your harlequin shoes and no longer affects your velocity where you venture now. It's a very beautiful elegy. You know, I mean, it, it. you sort of have the sense of David Bowie in space, you know, Major Tom perhaps circling in the, the earth, you know, ejected from his space uh, machine. It, it's You've captured that very well, but as a sort of a harlequin clown. Yes, he, um, in the film clip Ashes to Ashes, he sort of, from memory, he looks like a clown. And uh, his last tour which included Australia, was 2004. So the poem um, almost, it's the idea of Bowie has a pre-recognition that uh, he's not always part of this earth. He's always been drawn to um, realms beyond earth. And uh, I sort of use that metaphor of uh, elevating himself and distancing himself and the, the idea that space is limitless and he gave the impression of your identity was limitless. Yes, he did. Okay, we might go to some music.
That was from Beneath the Surface, Shakuhachi, Violin and Tunnel, um, from Anne Norman, Emily Shepherd, and Anya Tate. Uh, this is the 3CR Spoken Word Program. My name is Di Cousins, and today we're talking to Peter Bukowski, who has a new book coming out. And he's got um, a few uh, feature readings which are worth catching. Um, the next one is on Monday the 7th of August. He's a feature reader at Passionate Tongues, which is the poetry reading at the Brunswick Hotel. That starts about half past seven. Uh, there's another feature reading on Tuesday the 8th of August with Amy Bedosian at the Night Heron, 228 Nicholson Street, Footscray. That's next door to the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. And the launch of the new book, The Courage Season, is on Tuesday the 5th of September and the starting time is 6 for 6.30. It's at the East Melbourne Library, 122 George Street, East Melbourne. So, Peter, um, nice to look at a new book, isn't it? Yeah. Um, our son designed the cover completely and I got a nice email from Helen Garner saying she really loved the title and uh, it's sort of what I'm on about, the times in life when when we are tested as individuals and we have to either draw on our courage or our sense of humour. It's, um, it's so important to have courage. Um, there's so many... Uh, you know, things in place that try to take people's courage away and, and just make us go along with stuff. But probably the whole zeitgeist of 3CR is about courage and about standing up for what you believe in. Yes, I, I really dislike the um, fear that mainstream media tries to uh, instill in us, fear of the other and fear of the outsider and the foreign and it's uh, it's de- deplorable it's um divisive and um mm, and it, it creates the thing that it fears you know by yes. by creating division you yeah. you create uh, uncertainty and hostility and marginalized people and that creates danger rather than you know working from a point of view of inclusion and acceptance and respect so, yes, we live with that. Mm. It's a pathology of the federal government. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm really anti uh, that us and them division. It's awful. It's awful. Um, let's have another poem. I'm looking at um, the In the Besieged City of Sarajevo. That's rather, rather interesting. Yes, um, I've read a lot of... Um, historical accounts of of that and uh, the idea of people who used to get along with each other, um, that all breaking down. And the idea of a city under siege, it's, it's pretty un, unimaginable for Melburnians. So this, is, this poem is called In the Besieged City of Sarajevo. 8th of April, 1994. There's ash from his pipe on the carpet. I see that he's been reading Proust. I can't find any black market goods. I'll leave his corpse lying in the courtyard 
to spook any of his friends that are still alive. My commander is pleased with my tally, impressed with how little I sleep. The fact is, fear in others distracts me from my own. At night, when there is less movement, less gunfire, I return to my hiding place, a ransacked wine cellar, light a precious match, retrieve from the neck of a drained bottle the creased photo of my parents dressed in their Sunday best. Sometimes I envy them, no longer alive in this shamed city where neighbours have become murderers, torturers, where children are shot. I remember my pride in being an artisan baker, how people queued for my loaves, patient, joking with each other. Once it was only white flour that stained my fingers, the palms of my hands. It's beautifully evocative. And um, it, it's quite an, uh, a, an interesting experience to have that ventriloquism of uh, appropriating the voice of a completely different person. Yes, I do that um, quite regularly. Try to get in the headspace of a person who might be uh, an involuntary soldier or even a civilian that sort of had to become a soldier of some form or a sentinel or a sentry or a scout and you can see that unfortunately happening to a lot of people in uh, Syria and Yemen and uh, other other places that are very very troubled it's um it it's so more exciting to read a poem that takes you to a war zone than um, and, and to see the psychology underneath it rather than just t looking at another photo of a bombed building. Yes, I don't sort of like the sort of rant poem that says uh, war is bad, Putin is bad, like just that idea of obvious um, blame. I think a war is very complicated and it, there is often a situation where people that historically seem to get on with each other, suddenly they become enemies, whether it's in Rwanda or Albania or the former Yugoslavia or Poland or Germany. Um, it's this uh, volcanic, disruptive turnaround and... Uh, spilling of blood amongst neighbours. It's just terrible. It's frightening. Yeah, it's, it's really awful. We might, go, might just change the mood a little bit um, and uh, let's uh, go to observations in the Café Commercial Madrid. Um, so this is a sort of aphoristic poem. I've got quite a collection of aphorisms at home and... Uh, I try and write my own, and this is dedicated to the poet Raymond Gomez de la Serna, who wrote 500 one-line poems. So 
each line of this poem can be taken as a one-line poem, but it's a sort of build-up build of the poem that pays tribute to him. So observations in the Café Commercial Madrid. The moth thinks the candle flame is an entrance, not an exit. The fantasy of the elevator is to go sideways. Cats will no longer need us once they've mastered the can opener. It's hard to tell when a snail is dawdling. In its youth, the walking stick was a question mark. While we sleep, the kitchen chairs practice the tango. Maybe one day, the nails will forgive all the hammers. Inside some yawning mouths, there should be train tracks. When a metaphor is born, a butterfly emerges from a cocoon. The best magicians can pull a hat out of a rabbit. It's very sweet, you know, very uh, imaginative. It sort of takes you lots of different places. I'm quite influenced by uh, surrealism. I still like surrealism and I also think there's nothing wrong with a bit of humour or entertainment in poetry. Uh, although I write serious poems, if you write serious poems every single day... Uh, it's just getting a bit too heavy. Yeah, no, it's it's good to have something to lighten the mood. So, Peter, what, what, who would you say were your principal poetical influences? Early on when I was teaching myself how to write poems, I was drawn to plain-speaking poets. So Charles Bukowski, I feel he taught me that it was possible to write about the urban and the domestic and your neighbourhood, and then also the poetry of Raymond Carver, and also a poet from rural America, Ted Couser, and he wrote about minute things sometimes. There's a lovely poem of his about um, emptying a medicine cabinet of someone who's died, and it's just this concentration on ordinary urban life that uh, first attracted me to write about the same sort of things in my hometown or whenever I was in a, a in a big city. I'm definitely drawn to big cities as a poet and wandering big cities. Um, now the first poem in the book is is about a boy wandering the CBD. Um, so is, that's about somebody else but perhaps it's also a little bit of you as well Yeah, it's sort of my stomping ground the top end of uh, Burke Street near where it hit spring because I've worked in that part of the CBD for about 25 years so I know it very well and also um, when you surface from the Treasury Gardens at about 8.30 in the morning during rush hour it is like this teeming metropolis of 
ants all uh, trying to fit in a coffee and trying to get to work by 9am and it's all a bit sort of frantic but there you do notice people who are more leisurely amongst the commuters and maybe they're people like the teenage boy in the poem. Okay. So, Portrait of a Teenage Boy Wandering the CBD, Melbourne, June 2016. Surfacing from Parliament Station, you watch each pedestrian. Note those who reward themselves by ambling. Pause to admire the statue of Adam Lindsay Gordon, who sometimes wears a pigeon for a hat. The horizon, it's glimpsed, but obstacles are in the way, parents and other police forces. There's an escape route made syringe easy, but you resist. Enter Pellegrini's, order a double espresso, talk footy with Paul, today's barista. The chances of either Richmond or Carlton making the finals slimmer than the copper bracelet on your wrist. Your reflection in Pellegrini's windows hasn't anything further to say or deny. There's the last dreg of coffee downed, the clack of some palm-warmed coins onto the tip's plate, and you're out the door. Now's the time to consider time a diving board. Plunge guiltless into the ocean of a bookshop. There's the sound of your heartbeat as you turn pages so alive. It takes me totally there, you know, to Pellegrini's, to the paperback bookshop, to, you know, this sort of moment of being aware of the world. Yeah, I just uh, like that idea of rather than it being me being a teenager, so it's sort of that excitement of going into a bookshop and leisurely, extensively looking through the books and getting excited by discovering authors and I sort of go into the paperback or the Hill of Content on a weekly basis and sort of sniff around. Yeah, there's always so much to find. Mm. Great. So thank you for coming on the program. And we've been talking to Peter Bukowski. And um, just remind that the launch of The Courage Season, his new book, is on Tuesday the 5th of September at the East Melbourne Library in George Street, East Melbourne. So thank you for coming in. Thanks very much, Di. Okay. This has been the 3CR Spoken Word Programme.